Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Okay, here we are, second wind, probably what my third together interview, which is so much fun. Yeah. And these tend to do really well also. But I've been trying to set this up with Miss April Warhola. Did I say it right? Yes. Oh, good. Warhola. Mm-hmm. Warhola. For, I don't know, a year now, probably a oh. year. Mm-hmm. And we finally made it happen. I just got adjusted. So I'm feeling really good. And I wanted to share with you the absolute healing power of chiropractic and energy healing and all these things to make us feel and have our bodies react and act the best so that we can fulfill our purpose and figure life out and be clear-headed about it and feel good while we're doing it. All to say, I'm going to have April share her accolades first so you know who we're talking to. Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I am a Dr. April Warhola. I graduated from chiropractic school when, let's see, 2007. And a few years after that, I also got certified as an animal chiropractor. So those are my two big recognitions, I suppose, in life and school. And throughout that process, I've done quite a bit of dabbling in a lot of things. So the, the energy work you speak of is a little part of that. There's some access consciousness study behind a little bit of that Reiki. And there's some energy work that kind of flows into chiropractic as well, whether we call it that or not. So it's kind of been a lifetime of of figuring all of that stuff out. So I've got a practice in Grant Park that I've had for 12 years. That's in Atlanta, Georgia. And I also opened a home office down on a farm near Wendy. That's how we got to know each other. And that's been open for about two years now as well. And she's busy all the time and booked all the time, but I still am able to slide all of my children in and their spouses and now the grandbaby. Grandbaby was adjusted a week after being born, but you can still adjust them right after they're born too, apparently. Right. And that was a really cool thing. We'll talk a little bit about that. But what I want to find out, April, if someone were to say, so what do you do? If you were to just give a little snippet, like a little elevator speech about what you do, what would that be? Yeah, that, it's, it's easy and complex at the same time. Uh-huh. So the easy answer is that I use chiropractic adjustments to give input into the delicate nervous system that's made up of our our brain and spinal cord, which is the master communication center between our mind and body. And those adjustments do, that's where the complexity part comes in. I won't go into all of that right now. But essentially what I'm doing is I'm giving very specific input into the nervous system and acknowledging where there has been stored trauma or Mm. pain or dis-ease or discomfort or where there's imbalance or dissonance in the system. And that frees that up. It rebalances it back into the body so that it can reintegrate and you can have a bigger, better communication connection between the mind and the body. 
that's all based off of a very deep knowing that I have that the body does do self-healing and it can do that when it's given the proper information. So it's the same story, whether I'm adjusting a squirrel or a horse <laughs> or a one-week-old baby or a great-grandmother. That's truly my job in essence. And you do it so well because everyone says, oh, April. Like wherever you go, who's your guy? Oh, it's April. Oh, she's amazing. Yes. But why I wanted to, first of all, you've done amazing things just with me and my family. And I've heard all the rave reviews from everyone else. And I told her I was going to sing her praises a lot. <laughs> but what I want to find out is who is April? Like, how did this come to be? And it's not like you just sit around and wait for the next client. You're always studying. You're always looking into new things. You're like, oh, I just read this article or oh, I'm, I'm looking into this study, which, which makes you unique in the medical field yeah. because you stay up on everything. There's crystals here and she's open to it all, Yeah, which I love that. And you can just tell when something's off, you can lay down and you don't have to say anything. She knows she can feel it. So that's a gift. So I'm curious, how did you grow up? How did this gift kind of show its show itself to you? Yeah. Well, let's see. I'll back up to my grandfather's father was a medical doctor. He was a grandfather's father. Yes. So your great grandfather. My great grandfather. Okay. I barely knew. And my grandfather, I was pretty close with. He lived in a different state, but he was a chiropractor and so were two of his sons. Oh, wow. So he came from a big medical background and really he was super intellectual. He did a lot of research in chiropractic and he had just profound results in his own practice. And very early on when chiropractic was still new. Mm. So I've got three versions of chiropractors in the family. So he was this very deep intellect. He took a long time with each person. He was really in his mind analyzing and studying and doing research. I feel like it's probably an exaggeration, but I feel like everybody on his table was like a, an experiment, mm. a, a research project. That, because, well, it's chiropractic new then, it right? Was, it was new. So he studied with some of the people that originated some of the techniques that we still use today. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, so his two sons also are chiropractors and also very different but there's still, the philosophy is still very, very much the same. One goes more into the energetics and maybe right now a little bit more into the nutrition mm. and the bioenergetics. And the other one is more family and sports medicine mm. oriented. Then there's me. And I, I have a little bit of all of those pieces for sure. Growing up, we grew up, my, my mother was very holistic based in everything we did from the food we ate to getting our chiropractic adjustments, taking our vitamins. So I grew up in a very unique family where we didn't necessarily have a primary care pediatrician. We had them, but we never utilized them. Our first resource, our primary care doctor was always a chiropractor. Mm. And so that was for a stuffy nose or if we had an ear infection or a virus, or I was an athlete growing up, so if I had a sports injury, all of that we initially got our system adjusted. 
And that was really profound to me. I didn't know it at the time. I was just doing it, but I recognized later and now in my practice, <laughs> part of that holistic approach to chiropractic is a little bit skewed now in people's minds. They see more of chiropractors as back and neck pain doctors. Right. That's but all you think of. I never went. That was not, that was not the reason we went. Not never, but that was rarely the reason that we went. Did you think everybody did that? No, I knew everybody didn't oh, do okay. it. But I also got confused then moving into high school and college. And I don't, uh, you know, when my women girlfriends started their cycles and they were getting cramps and headaches, I didn't even understand what a cramp or a headache, I never had a cramp or a oh, headache. Oh, you're kidding. And so they'd carry around bottles of Tylenol and they'd be popping. The Midol and whatever. Yeah. And I just always felt a little different and I would always get real quiet and observe whatever was happening around me, but I knew that wasn't what I chose. That I, and I didn't really understand. I think I had my first headache long into college and it was totally self-induced probably by like making poor decisions, eating and drinking. <laughs> college decision. And it was like really this profound like, oh, that's what people talk about when they talk about headaches. Oh. You know? But my system really stayed very healthy and very clear and I continued to get my chiropractic care regularly, weekly or monthly, or, you know, whenever I felt like I needed that just to stay balanced. So a lot of the things that other people experienced and went through, I just didn't have those same experiences. And if I did, I would go to a supplement or an adjustment or an acupuncturist or a massage therapist first. or go exercise. That was always first. And any okay. of the other stuff ended up being truly for emergencies. Right. Which is kind of what our medical system is good at. Absolutely. Not so good at helping our body heal Wellness naturally. And healing, correct, correct. But amazing at emergency care. Yeah. Need a new heart? Gotcha. Amazing. Need, need a broken bone done? <laughs> gotcha. Exactly. Yes. Surgeries yes. and all that. So you go to college. Did you know that you wanted to be a chiropractor? Did you have that idea, like watching your great-grandfather and then your uncles and everything? I think I did, if I'm being honest with myself, but I was also just a normal kid and I had this rebellion in me at that moment too. So I just thought, well, I just don't want to do this because everybody else in my family does it. It felt right. too like expected or just like what, what obviously this is what you would do. I really loved animals. I was always this kid that brought home every like stray animal. You know, I wasn't really allowed to have too many actual pets. So if there <laughs> were baby possums that didn't have a mom, you know, then I'd take them in. Or if there was a stray dog that came on the porch, I mean, I would hold on to that dog like it was mine. You know, I didn't want to give it back because I know that, that's how I could have a pet. Yep. And, and your mom let you. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. They were tolerant of it. Okay. <laughs> they were tolerant. And we should add that your mom works for you. My mom is you. currently my office manager. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she got trained to do Thai body work and she does nutrition assessments in the office. Oh, well. I didn't even know that. Yeah. She uh, does. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. And she does not look like she could be your mother. No. Which she, just shows. Yeah. Her, her life choices really, really profoundly show with her age right now compared to the people her age. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Very much so. Yeah. You're her mother. Okay. <laughs> Most people ask of her sisters. Yeah. 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 It's really amazing. It's, it's fabulous. And she does a great job for you, yeah. but keep going. So, so you're like, I don't so really want to do what everybody thinks I should do. Yeah. So I explored veterinary medicine and at the time 
couldn't figure out how to do that holistically. And mm. so it didn't really jive with what felt like my values. And then in college, I thought, well, I really enjoy writing and I really enjoyed English and I was successful in that. And I thought maybe I wanted to be an attorney and then I could also write books. Mm -hmm. This was my brilliant idea. I was going to write books about chiropractic and be a lawyer. Oh, you're going to write books. I, I you know, it was and be just, a lawyer. Yeah. That, that was what I, that's not decided. really part of the English mm -hmm. writing thing. No, it's okay. not. So I had an amazing, why, why did you college. want to be a lawyer? Oh, because I just felt like I was good at it. Just it was something debating people. No, no helping. Just helping. Just helping people. Helping. It would be okay. more of the of the helping version, not the arguing. I mean, I'd have to maybe argue, but okay. it was more of just how I could figure out. Public help. defender. Help people kind yes. of thing. I got you. Okay. And amazing professor said, well, look, English teacher in college, if you want to do this, then meet me at the courthouse every Saturday and we're going to sit and go like watch this stuff happen. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. And two Saturdays. I sat there for a few hours and realized this is oh. bananas. I don't want to be inside. I don't want to have to like live my life in this courthouse. And what in the world right. are all these people needing lawyers for? Like, this is not a world that I want to be a part of. Okay. And then the light bulb clicked and I, I was like, you know what? I'm just, I am a chiropractor. Oh, just like just that I'm supposed to be. So was there like a aha moment sitting there. Oh, oh really? Completely. I had to, like completely switched my major. So I had, Almost, almost majored in English, but I switched it. So I had to switch to biology and retake all the classes. And retake everything. Yeah. Okay. But I was so grateful. Okay. So grateful. And you called, I'm sure your parents were thrilled yeah. when you called and said, yeah. okay, change of plans. <laughs> it's a little more school. Yeah. Okay. So you go through school and then what? Oh, I went to, then I went to chiropractic school to get the doctorate in mm. chiropractic. And it was there that I had a big Italian Mastiff and he was at my sister's house, got out of the car. He slipped his leash, went to chase a cat across the street, ran into an old lady's Oldsmobile, totaled her car because he ran into her car so hard and collapsed. Oh, he ran back up the stairs to me and then collapsed. So he couldn't oh. pick his head up for days. And you know, Again, veterinary medicine got him out of the shock trauma initial, but then said, we can't find anything wrong. We don't know what to tell you. And he couldn't lift his head off the floor. Oh, no. So it was this time, then I was in chiropractic school and somebody came over as I was telling the story. They're like, you've got to drive like two hours up into North Georgia, but there's a woman up there that adjusts animals. You've got to take your dog to her. She's the one that can help. Oh, my gosh. So I had four people get on the corner of blankets. We heaved him on well, how much did he weigh like 200 pounds yeah 150 wow put him in the back of the trunk laying down i mean he couldn't he couldn't really move his head at all i bet and you a lot of people would have put the dog down maybe yeah yeah uh okay so you drove the two we hours get there. i get him into the office he's laying on a table this pretty large woman that i was a little intimidated by is like <laughs> has my dog on the table and she's just pleasant and chatting with me. And, and I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I've got to charge you a little bit in this office. It's not my office. Blah, blah, blah. She's talking chiropractic. I know you're a student. I want to help you out in any way I can. All of a sudden, I don't know what ha happened. I'm listening to her and my dog picks his head up off the table and shakes it out and gets up. And she's like, you guys have a great day. He should be fine. 
What? <laughs> you should have seen my eyes bug out of my head. And I was like, oh, you mean I get to be a chiropractor and work with animals? Oh, that moment you, the, you saw the connection. I didn't even realize there was oh such a thing gosh. as an animal chiropractor at the time. Even right. though it had been in my family and, you know, I'd grown up in chiropractic, I didn't know this was a thing. Right. So then my goal became open my own practice. I had visioned exactly how I wanted to show up for people and the work I wanted to do. And then as soon as I could, I was going to go back to school to get that certification. And I did. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, okay. Okay. So then you opened up your practice. How did that look? Was that scary? <laughs> it was very scary. I bet. How it, old were you? I was. Good question. 22, maybe? Oh my gosh, you're a baby. baby. I was a baby, maybe 23. Wait, yes, maybe I'm doing my math wrong. We had to go to I school a bunch. I finished school when I was 23, 24, maybe I was more like 25. Still young still to young, have your own business. Still young. Yes, it was back in, let's see, 2007. Remember when the whole economy like bottomed out? Oh yeah, yeah that's when we opened our out. restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Nobody was giving a loan. Right. Nobody like cared. There was like, it was crazy. So I grew up in a family that we didn't have an abundance of wealth. I had to figure this out by myself. Oh my gosh. And um, looked at a couple of spaces and it was, it was really, I had put a whole bunch of pictures, cut out scrapbook and put them in a manila folder of exactly what I wanted my office to look like. It was your vision folder. It was my vision folder, not my vision board. Okay. Smell like? The only thing I didn't know was where it was supposed to be. Okay. And several people said to me, April, you would fit in so well in Grant Park. And I didn't really know what they were talking about. I didn't know what Grant Park was or where it was on a map or what was going on. And I looked around the city in a couple areas and short story ended up third contract after I ended up borrowing a little bit of money from a girlfriend chiropractor up in Michigan. Walked in this space, looked at it, and it was every picture in my manila folder. And mm. it was like $5,000 a month outside of my budget. Oh, and more. so I had this, oh my gosh. Oh, gosh. And then looked at my realtor like with fire coming out of my ears. I was like, why did you even show me? Why'd you show me something I can't afford? Like, you know, I can't do. And she said, I know these people. I think they might want a chiropractor here. Let's just write a proposal and see what happens. And back and forth one time they came $85 over what my budget was. Whoa. So they they came down thousands of dollars so that I could open up in that space. And I had enough to keep my doors open for three months. I opened without a computer. I had some old borrowed like chiropractic tables and my hands, a little front desk with a paper calendar and pencil and my cell phone. Okay. So people like me want to know, so you open it and say, I built it. They shall come. Or how did you get people to, first of all, if you get older people, and here's this young, beautiful woman. Yeah, how is she going to help me? How is this young, petite woman going to work on the 260-pound guy? Right? Well, you just said the two things that are funny. Yes, 
a lot of people came in and said, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, and, that's a um, thing. And then, and how can you be a doctor and how can you help me? How do you have the experience? And then there were a lot of very large men that walked in the door and sized me up and they're like, I don't think you're going to be able to help me. And I would say to them, fortunately, I've got a six foot four dad that I practiced on off through school. I think you're going to be all right. (laughs) Wow. How did people, did people just like walk by? Like, how did you get clients to even start finding you? Well, I have to give credit to one of my mentors, I had a couple that were really, really worth mentioning, but this story goes back to a gentleman named Arnaud Bernier, and he was a chiropractor also, and really, really laid the foundation work of if you, if you're going to open the kind of practice that I wanted to open, Mm -hmm. it's not the kind that grows overnight. And it's Mm -hmm. not the kind, it's also not the kind that you have to keep marketing your whole life for. You take care of the first person. Mm. and you really give them the goods mm-hmm. and then they'll go and they'll bring their spouse and then they'll bring their, their children. And then they'll go tell the neighbors uh-huh. and be a good steward. Oh yeah. I community. brought my neighbor here. That's yeah. Right. yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And you be a good steward of your community and you give back and you show up when it's time to show up. And I've never marketed a day in my life. Oh my gosh. And it really was one person and then three people and then five people. And I, just care for each one of them the best that I can. And it has now, 12 years later, been pretty magical. It is magical. Yeah. What you do. Yeah. So let's talk, well, let's talk a little bit about that because I feel like you probably your whole life have been somewhat intuitive. Yes. There has to be something to that. Did you know that growing up? Did you just feel things? Did you see things? Did you hear things? Yeah, I I think in a lot of the ways where people have that one gift, I think I've got many of those capacities and they show up when they show up in all different ways. And yes, I think I was very aware of that as a kid. Mm. And I think as kind of a stereotypical empath who can hear things and feel things and see things, I knew that. And then I went through that whole place of I don't fit in. This isn't normal. I am weird. And so then I tried so hard to fit in and was pretty destructive, self-destructive, trying to fit in with everybody else. With the norm. And then came and shot out the other end. And the more I connected with my weird, the more happy I got. Yeah. And the more everything just fell into place. And then I just started to connect with my people more and more when I wasn't trying to hide from it. Then all of these beautiful friends started showing up and we're all the same. You know, we all have that capacity to communicate without talking or to share that we, you know, hear the little animal out there telling us a story or whatever, whatever it happens to be that shows up that's, that is weird. I realized that we all have capacities. Yeah. And it's actually not weird at all. I think it's actually super normal. I just think people don't talk about them very often out loud. 100% 100% agree. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a common theme throughout everybody who shows up for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, when I sat yeah. back and thought about it, everybody who shows up for the podcast loves animals, oh, okay. believes in a higher power yep. or source or yep. something, yeah. and believe that, yes, energy heals. And yes, we can be intuitive. And yes, we all have gifts. Yes. It's very interesting. Yes. And, and what you project comes back to you. So if you're hiding behind not real. You, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think how many teenagers go through that? And then it's just a matter of how long you stay in that, right? Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about when you have someone in front of you, the different way, I mean, we could use me as an example. Mm -hmm. I'm an open book. Who cares? So I came to you when I didn't have Lyme, just for normal chiropractic. Then I had Lyme. Mm -hmm. And now I'm on a whole new regimen, went off my medicine, and now doing a root cause protocol to fix from the inside out naturally. Yeah. And that might be a good way for you to share how that kind of went and how you dialed in because I didn't really tell you every time what was going on. Sure. Yes, I can use that as an example. When I start working with anyone, human, I ask a pretty extensive history Mm -hmm. of the person. The questions I ask, that is the beginning of the journey of us really creating a relationship towards matching what you would like out of the care, but also me putting these patterns together in the way that Mm. I read the world and read people to understand a little bit more about how your nervous system might be functioning and giving me clues as to what what I may be be able to do to access and to match you exactly where you are. Hmm. So when you first came... That sounds really tough. Yeah. Sounds really... It is... Hard to do. Well, I'm sure that it is, but after you do it thousands and thousands of times, it really becomes... It's it's a fun puzzle. Okay. And it's very readable and it's very accurate. So that's my my guideline. It's It's listening seeing the puzzle pieces come together. And then when I actually connect with you with touch, then it just reads like a open book to me. So that kinesthetic to me becomes really my primary source of trust, but it does take a little bit of the communication to be able to match and trust build because that's a big part of healing too. Mm. So I really do need to know what it is that you'd like from me and be able to match you in the moment because otherwise I'm going to overcorrect and you're going to feel dissonance and a little backlash from that. Or maybe Mm. I underconnect and then you feel like nothing really happened. So there is quite a bit that goes into this. So when I first met you, I think there was a little bit more, I'm just going to call it generalized chaos. Oh, definitely. (laughs) In Type A, chaotic, never sit still. Yes, yeah. you were so busy. You had so many things going on. You were traveling so much. There was some family stuff, the business stuff. I believe it was mid-pandemic, maybe, mm. which causes... It was right before the pandemic. Right before. Yeah, 2019. And so going through all of that together, I mean, everybody had some excessive amounts of anxiety and fear and then viral changes and changes in the planet and the environment Mm -hmm. and society. And so there was a lot going on. And you shared a little bit on that experience, this last experience, you're talking about feeling heat. But in the first experience together, the first thing I did was simply acknowledge your nervous system. We were asking it to calm down. And you felt this wave go through your body. Well, I was really doing chiropractic And also because of my connection, a lot of people feel it as an energy transfer. 
And so we've yeah, it definitely we've was that from that place to your life changing a lot, your body transforming and changing, having new experiences to where you're really a very clear being in my bias, neurologically, chiropractically speaking, even within the Lyme, then you found this diagnosis and you went through that whole process. So your nervous system had continually has to adapt to all the medications you were taking to try and kill that, um, the Lyme that was in your system. So that journey presented differently in the nervous mm. system. And now present, when you're clear of the medications and you have slowed your lifestyle down, you've done so much self-healing work, you actually have a much better tone. You have a much more connected system. And a lot of that over-sympathetic stress in the nervous system has really shifted. And I think it's shifted for the long run because even within this paradigm, your body's still handling things way better than it used to handle just minor stressors. And then you can feel that. And we can feel that. It's wacky. And we can track it and change it. And yes. today, you're, you're just like right here. And I'm like, oh, your hands just got so hot. What, what would you attribute that to? If I had to identify it using words like scientific words, I would say that when we, when we make these chiropractic adjustments, oftentimes we're taking potential energy where the system's storing oh. stress from a vibrational standpoint. It's where that stress has accumulated. So it's got a very high frequency tone. The rest of the system has got like more of a fluid tone. Mm -hmm. And so that potential energy that's stored, it wants to be freed to the rest of the system, but it's stuck. Mm. So when we free it with the adjustment, basically we shift it into more of a kinetic movement energy and that movement transfers and releases heat. So we feel the mm. heat. So the heat was actually from you and me combined. Wow. It's so, it's so, it's amazing. And it makes so much sense. And I would imagine before we actually coined this chiropractic care way back when, yeah. they were already doing this. We just didn't. The founder of chiropractic was studying magnetic healing pretty big time. So he understood a lot that there was some sort of energy. Tone. Tone is the biggest word, I think, that to take away from chiropractic and especially from the founder. Yeah, I've never heard and, that before. And tone is exactly what I was describing as those vibrations. So every part of us, our skin cells, our bones, our blood, everything has a different vibration. Mm. But generally speaking, all those little vibrations that make up who we are all come together to make a big system vibration. And that's tone. Well, molecules spinning, right? Molecules spinning, the energy of how we're moving. And so that has a fluidity to it. And that kinesthetically, I think, is really more specific to what I feel kinesthetically. So as I'm, as I'm searching and exploring somebody's nervous system, a lot of what I'm picking up is high frequency versus a very low, deep frequency. Mm -hmm. And when you put that adjustment in, you're just attuning that in order to like allow it to go back into the bigger system and so it can dissipate, dissipate and integrate and then okay. all find their own balance. So question. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> when you like, I lay down, whoever lays down and you just kind of, and then you, you just stop at a point. Can you articulate what, what that is? Uh -huh. Is that where you feel the, the non-fluidity, the buildup? 
and you feel it? Sure. Yes. You're asking me to answer something that's probably like so complicated. Oh, I know. Um, and also so intuitive. But yes, I think if I had to boil it down, that's exactly what happens when I'm going through. It's like, huh, this doesn't match. This, oh, okay. wherever my fingers stop, that doesn't match the rest of the system. And then I continue to ask questions. Is that something that we need to change? Is that something that we can change? Right. Is it just a little bony segment? Is there injury underneath that scar tissue underneath that? Oh, wow. That and you can feel all that. Yeah. Is it going to benefit the system to put an input into here or not? And all of this is just going so rapidly through, you know, your, the when, where, why. Mm. And then I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Okay. Yes. No. Is it available? And then we move on and continue to ask, ask that of each one of those segments. So curiosity brings me to the next question. So my daughter brings her new baby in here, who, who's just been a little baby. It's only a week old, little yeah. Clara. Yeah. And for an adjustment. Yeah. So people will go, okay, that's a little crazy. How do you know she's not going to hurt the baby? They're kind of soft still. Everything's not where it should be. Well, how do you do that? And then we can describe what happened to the baby. And then I can tell you what happened oh, after because I was there. Okay. Okay. These are some of my favorite, most precious moments. And I think it's a big deal that a mom will trust me both during her pregnancy and with her little tiny baby. They yeah, are really, I, really tiny. I should insert that Erin was sick, my daughter, every single day, throwing up every single day, horrible headaches, horrible everything. And she start. I'm like, why aren't you going to see April? Oh yeah, I should do that. But she felt so sick. She just couldn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. And she was still working. So she started fitting time in to come and told her boss, I got to go do this for this baby. I'm growing. And she then called her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law to be who are both now pregnant. If there was one thing I wish I had done sooner, it's come see you. Yeah. It would have saved me feeling so awful. Oh. So I just had to interject that. So that's why she trusted you. Yeah. She, she felt the relief. She, she knew. Yeah. So she thought, oh, I should probably bring the baby. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So baby presents not with a lot of obvious things, but when inquiring a little bit further, had a preference to breast size side when feeding, and mm. um, which gives me indication of head movement and rotation. Mm. And also just a very mild kind of side note that the parents offered this arching in the back sort of felt like uncomfortability, but they weren't really sure they're brand new parents. Right. So I don't need a lot of information. Babies to me are a little bit more like animals. They're really clear and they really don't require a lot of adjustments. Their little bones haven't even really like solidified. Right. But in, in an infant, what you can gift them is just making sure everything is properly aligned and connected so that their development is the best that it can be. The little bones in their skull are still pretty pliable and movable. And we just want to make sure none of those are stuck. You know, we don't actually have to adjust forcibly to get them to go where they need to be, but just make sure they're open enough that the body, that innate intelligence that innate does the healing intelligence. and the growth can just do what it's supposed to do. So I want to just free the system of anything interfering that baby's system from knowing and just doing exactly what it's supposed to. So what did you notice with Clara? So with Clara, she had a pretty big 
subluxation, that's a word we use in chiropractic to describe where in the skeletal system we're adjusting. And that's based off findings that are both neurological and physical. And to me also that tonal energetic piece. Mm -hmm. And so she had a pretty big subluxation in the upper part of her neck Mm -hmm. and a little disconnection from there into her sacrum, which people don't know, that's basically the top and the bottom of the spine. And mm. those are the places of greatest communication and connection. Yeah, bottom to top, right? A little baby like that. Oh my goodness. Everything else is pretty clear. We've got to get those things talking. So when I had her, she was a little bit rigid in her feel and I was holding her and I was just, so infant adjustment can look many different ways. I'm not opposed to putting a little, a force, a, a more like what you see in an adult in an infant. You, it's more specific in an infant dialed back a little bit, okay. but I don't always feel for me that that's always required. I start a little bit non-invasive first. Mm-hmm. And so for her, I was just non-invasive, which is a lot of just sustained touch. So I was just holding sustained touch in that area where I felt that subluxation and slowly she just started to like her mouth just dropped her eyes closed. And she looked like she was like, just had a big open mouth, almost like she was going to yawn, but she wasn't. And then after that, her parents were watching and, and all of a sudden, all four of her extremities, her arms and legs. You had just, her on her back. Yeah, on her back in my hand. So all four legs, arms just completely just plop. Her head falls off the back of my hand and everything just went completely limp. And she just took this big, beautiful breath, which was my sign that we're done. And that was it. Just, just holding a little bit of sustained pressure. And yeah, her parents really recognized that that some of that arching and some of that rigidity was due to her. She was trying to work through that subluxation on her own Yeah, and just couldn't quite get there. So I just needed to assist oh my a gosh. little bit. Just to she's such a good baby that. and a happy yeah. baby. And yeah, so what did she do after she left? She pooped a, a lot. lot. <laughs> My daughter's like, I didn't feed her that much. I don't know. I'm like, oh, things are free and clear now. That's why everything's talking and she's eliminating. And so she's only a week old. There's still stuff that needs to get processed. Yeah. That is a very common sign with infant adjustments. Yeah. Well, and with adults. And with adults. What? Well, I don't know about that for me, but every time I get on this table, whether I've eaten, whether I haven't eaten, whether I've exercised, whether I haven't, my stomach starts talking really loudly. Yep. And that's because of what? Yep. Well, with you, a lot of it is system let down. Uh, so we've got your, your sympathetic system is working and overdrive. That's kind of our fight or flight mechanism. We bring it back down to the parasympathetic with the adjustment. That autonomic nervous system turns on, your digestion starts to improve mm. and turn on. So we're turning on some of these things that have been a little sluggish. Sluggish. And I feel like women, especially after 40, Mm -hmm. I I think we get sluggish. We may. And we don't try to. I think it just happens. And everybody's like, oh, and then you get the stuff and you're just, but we don't have to be. Yeah. That's the point. Yes. That's my mom. That's, that's Miss Laura at the front desk being the role model of what's possible. Yeah. She's a spring chicken. She is. For sure. Now I, I am very curious about animals mm-hmm. having many myself yeah right now henry my donkey has a hurt foot yeah. and i thought to myself he's probably getting really unadjusted right now because he's limping hopefully i can soak it today with some help so 
what do you do for an animal? They can't say, hey, hey, Dr. April, I have pain right here. Like they can't talk to you. What, can you give us an example? Is there an animal that you've worked on that start to finish you're like, you can see the difference in what you did? Yeah, I would say it's more unusual that an animal comes in that I don't see that, and even that the owner doesn't see a difference. A huge difference, did. really. Yeah, it's it's. But you can't talk to them. So how does this apparent. work? Just yeah, yeah. All good questions, and the easy answer to that is that it works just the same as everything I described in a human. So it's not different. Mm -hmm. So our nervous system is our nervous system again, whether you're a little squirrel or a big elephant or a little baby or you, Henry the donkey. Yeah. Or Henry the donkey. <laughs> the nervous system expresses in the same ways. It also gets really like oversympathetic fight or flight. It also can you know, in respond and react physically to imbalance. If there's a hoof problem in a donkey or a horse, they will start adapting and using the other limbs. And then that starts straining those joints mm -hmm. and they become imbalanced. So there's physical, there's emotional, there's metabolic stressors that happen in animals the same way as they happen in people. And my job luckily is just the same because I feel it and experience kinesthetically with my hands. I can go through and motion joints and I can do the same type of scan down their spine. And tonally, where those places of dissonance exist, I feel that, I adjust it, we can feel and see it change. And the animal very much acknowledges that. So I, I can give you many, many examples. Give me one. Give me one. Because I'm so, I'm like, right now I have a, a kind of a goat that's gotten kind of bitchy. Do you want to adopt some that sure. couldn't walk? Or do you want a, a woodpecker that I thought was dead? Both. <laughs> <laughs> They're both really I love stories. stories. Yes. Okay. Give me them both. The Dotson. Most people know what they are, but if you don't, they're the small little dogs. Sometimes people call them like wieners. Dogs. <laughs> uh, they're round and a little bit too long mm -hmm. compared to how short their legs are. Mm -hmm. And they have little pointy noses. So a miniature one of those came in and his owner miniature. actually just set him onto my table. And it was not really funny, but that term like weenie dog, like he could not use any one of his legs. All four extremities were paralyzed. Oh. God. So when he set him down, he was just really the ball of the body. And oh wow. It had been two weeks, I think, as honor said, that initially the front legs gave, and then a few days later the back legs gave out and had been through the vet process and they were actually ready to put the dog oh, down. Oh my gosh. And okay. based on a old friend who had the same problem happen many years ago with his Dotson, they recommended. And I usually do see dogs kind of at this last chance, last hope. They've done everything else. And mostly because they're not familiar with it. You don't realize it's something you can do. Yeah. And so it comes to this. Same with my dog that got hit by the car. I didn't realize I could take him right. to a chiropractor until it was like life or death situation. Right. And so they brought him in to me and through word of most, mouth, basically. Through word of mouth. And, and most people would suspect that like I would need to adjust like somewhere in the arms and somewhere in the legs based on that injury. Yeah. But because I, because of the listening and the tone, there was a different conversation I was having with the dog. And right in the dead middle of his back, I could feel where that subluxation was. And it was pretty profound. And so it wasn't even close to the back legs or the front legs. Mm -hmm. It was in the middle of his body. So I just did that one adjustment. 
And I picked the dog up. I set his, I opened up his legs and just kind of set him down and he stood. And we were kind of like, oh my gosh, now this what? is amazing. Yeah. So this is one adjustment, one dog that was had a death sentence that couldn't walk oh in God. any of his legs, right? And then all of a sudden he kind of like looks at me and then he just, he wobbled a little bit, but he started to walk out the door and he managed to walk across the room to the door. And so that was that day's session. Okay, well, it's working. Come back in a couple of days. Yeah. That dog came back into my office three days later and he ran down the hall and like jumped in my lap. Stop it. So his owner said that day he was a little wobbly like we saw him. He got a little better that night he slept. The next day he was walking and then by the third day he was actually running and playing. So it was just that one bit of interference was enough to create a complete neurological deficit like, like up and shut down, down the whole almost, spine, right? and it shut the whole body down. Oh my gosh! Down. Okay, dead woodpecker. Okay, so I'm in the office. I'm in. I'm in my office in Grant Park, and I've got these beautiful windows and big trees, and I've loved watching because it was on your vision board. It was, yeah, for a vision folder. <laughs> my vision Manila folder. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm having a pretty intense session with a gentleman who had been through some big stuff. So it was a very kind of a heavy, serious work in the office that we were doing in serious conversation. All of a sudden, I just hear like, wham, up against oh, the window. No. And it was so hard for me not to be distracted because I had a feeling a bird had just hit the window. And I also needed to be very present wrapping up this session that I was having with the participant. And so as soon as that's we a toughie. To go, yes, I, I like ran out the front door and I'm looking around and I can't find the bird, but I know a bird had hit the window. And all of a sudden it was like this giant woodpecker. I mean, this guy was probably like this big wingspan, wide open, flat oh, face no. down on the ground. And his head was turned and his tongue was hanging out his beak. So it was oh like, my gosh. <laughs> Just like in the cartoons. Like dead, basically. Yeah. What I know is that if I can get to them quickly, there's a higher than 50% chance that we can bring them back to if I can get there really fast. Because usually when they hit the window, they crank their neck and it cuts off the life force. Okay. Okay. Simple story. So I go out there, I've got this woodpecker. Well, the gentleman comes out behind me and I just like, oh, I don't know if this one's going to make it. I don't need him to have any more bad news in his life. Oh, and I'm holding the woodpecker. So so you hold dear. it. And he comes over and he's asking, what are you doing? What's going on here? And I'm like, oh, like I kind of just wanted to be like, please go away. Please go away. Yeah. But well, woodpecker hit the window and I'm going to see if I can adjust them. It's not looking too good right now, but we're going to just see what happens. And he's like, okay. So he just kind of stands there. So I, I adjust the bird. So I actually take his neck and find where that fixation where got. I actually am doing an adjustment. Wow. And you can usually hear a pretty loud audible pop. From a bird? From a little bird. So I, I do the adjustment. How do you know it's a neck. pop and now you're not breaking their neck? It's, I mean, it's so. It's a fine line. Yes. It's a fine line, but that's what we're trained to do. Okay. That is what we're trained to do as chiropractors. We know where exactly where that line is. Okay. So do the adjustment, holding the bird. You hear the Nothing's, pop? I heard the pop. I know we adjusted it. Nothing's happening. Mm. So I just put my hand just a little bit where the energy transfer comes in too. We give it a minute to integrate and I'm holding it and the gentleman's watching me and I, I'm shaking my head. I'm kind of like, I just, I don't think this is going to work this time. 
but we're doing our best. And he says, can I help too? And I said, of course you can. So then he puts his hands over my hands and we sit there oh, I'm gonna like and we sit there and I'm taking a peek and I just look at him. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I, I just think I said, you know what I'm going to do? I've got this beautiful planter on my front patio. Why don't we just rest him right there so that at least we know like nothing's going to get on me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when I get finished with my day, I'll go take him and I'll, I'll properly bury him. And so, oh, so you, you pretty much thought he was dead. Oh, at I was, that moment. I was very certain of it. Okay. So we wished him well and I very gently take him and I put him in the pot and that bird goes <laughs> right after you put him down to the top of the tree and starts. And I look at this guy and he looks at me and I look at the bird and I was like, woodpecker, give yourself a minute. You don't have yeah. to start working right away. <laughs> like you can give yourself oh one second. Gosh, that's amazing. He went from like completely dead to completely doing his job again, just like that instinct kicked in. And we laughed and cried and it was so that's so, amazing. So yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a great story. It was wonderful. It was really lovely. April, what are some things that people should know about chiropractic when trying to make a decision if it's right for them? I mean, in my opinion, it's right for everyone. Yeah. I, I think that this as a profession, I think chiropractors have a strong tendency to be really loving, good people who mm. really want to help. Everyone I've known has been exactly that. And I can't say, I can say our profession's a little young, so we don't differentiate our talents quite like they do in the medical world. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes tough. You may go to a chiropractor who's maybe not your style and get turned off. Mm. But I would say don't let that sway you from even like exploring more, Shop around. more options. Shop around a little bit. In chiropractic, there is like there's the lowest rate of injury and harm compared to any other medical profession at all. This is a service that really does good. The input is really positive into the nervous system. And there are all different ways in which sometimes things can not feel good initially, especially if there's a lot of stress oh, in the system. Right. Sometimes you have to go backwards to move forward. And I think there's a little communication gap sometimes. And just mm -hmm. in that exploration, if you're very brand new to it, mm -hmm. but the benefits so strongly outweigh some of the fears that people have around it that I would really encourage everybody to give it a chance and also maybe give it two or three chances and maybe like find the person that you trust and that resonates with you. You can ask questions when you call an office about style intake. Some people take x-rays, some people don't. Some people use therapeutic machines, some people don't. Some people use their hands to adjust. There's different techniques, there's different art forms. And so there, there are many, many different styles. So just ask, ask questions and mm -hmm. explore things. For animals especially, it is such a non-invasive modality and healing modality that we have to go through rigorous education for. So chiropractors have the same education as medical doctors, and it's just very specific to this type of care we do. So for an animal also, 
I would make sure that your chiropractor is a certified animal chiropractor because mm. it's some people just kind of nonchalantly adjust animals and people the same. I would look for someone that's certified. But within that, it's so inexpensive and it is so many times I've taken an animal at its last resort and given it three months more of life, five years more of life. Yeah. It's worth it because it doesn't take that long either to see the benefit and to see the results. So give it, give it a chance. I mean, just give it a chance. Yeah. The, the life giving that it is, that it has been for me and my family and for the people I care about. I'm so passionate about this because it just shows up so true. Babies that were non-thriving, that were literally born and then dying, mm. that couldn't absorb nutrients. I mean, it's amazing to me how many hundreds and thousands of dollars that people spend trying to find this magic bullet cure. And sometimes it's as simple as just reconnecting their little nervous system oh and turning back to themselves. We have to dial it back. Yep. We have to. Yep. So it is, it is to me, non-invasive, primary, first go-to. And then you can go to the more invasive things as necessary. And, and we're, we refer you out to those people too, if you need it. You know, I'm not scared to tell you, you need to go see an orthopedic surgeon. Or, right, right. You know, if there's something going on, but let's give this a try first. Let your body figure itself out. Yeah. And communicate with itself. Yes. I love that. Is there one, and I, I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot, okay. but do you have a client that you started with in some kind of really dire, I kind of like a human form of the dachshund. Do you have a story? Can you think of a client like that? Yeah, Wendy, I can't. I mean, this is every day of my work. I take it for granted so much because every single day there's some sort of thing that people would deem miraculous that I just take for granted because oh, it just happens over and over and yeah. over again neurological, very, very neurological, like almost like stroke numbness that started on the left side of the body, went down, went up into the face, loss of hearing. Like Bell's palsy kind of thing? It, it looked like a lot of things. It looked like oh. Bell's palsy. It looked like a stroke. It looked like a tumor in the brain. It looked like Lou Gehrig's Wow. And yet years of all the neurologists, all the tests, nothing, 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 you know. And, and this person's um, getting worse and worse and, and worse and worse. Was it a female or a male? That this person was a female. Okay. And listening to the story, I went totally off the grid and started asking her questions that she didn't answer on her intake form. And this particular person the story was really based around why is this all on the left side? Mm. So that metaphoric energetic system, the feminine system, this nurturing system. I just decided intuitively to ask her what happened. Was there some trauma with women in her life? Oh, wow. So now we're yeah. taking this a whole different place, right? Right. And she cued into at the time of the first episode, she had lost a mother who had abandoned her at birth and come back into her life and then committed suicide. Oh my gosh. And then the second episode happened two years later as it moved up her body that her grandmother, who was her chosen mother who raised her, ended up also dying. And she was dealing with two heavy, heavy losses. 
And so we brought that to the surface just by acknowledging it and then started adjusting on that left side. And within 48 hours, she had 70% improvements. And I think two months maybe of care was completely gone. Oh my gosh. Um, So it's like, you know, those are big things. Yeah. Plus you were healing. They are big things. This too. Yeah. The emotional. I mean, they're, they're having truly babies that, that were not thriving. And when you hold a baby that its skin as thin as saran wrap and you can see its heart beating and you can see its little bones because it has not absorbed nutrients in two months. Oh my god! crying 24 seven. The parents, that's going to make me cry. The parents have not slept and they're just watching their baby just die in their arms. Oh my God. Terrible. And, you know, to be able to just connect with that infant and restore that life almost immediately, you see it start breathing and it can start suckling again and start eating. And then you see that come in as a 12 year old. Oh, wow. It's like I've I've fought, I've been with families through their life and, and life is not always easy and it's an honor and it's beautiful and it's gratifying and, and it's worth it. Oh, well, if you haven't been convinced, <laughs> I don't know, there's something wrong mm. because it's amazing. And my whole family comes here. My neighbor, neighbor Fred comes here now. I'm like, don't go to the doctor for that. Go see April first. Oh, and you house him. Such sweet humans. And he's never, he's like chiropractor. Well, Oh, you know, old school, seven, I think he's going to be 80 in a couple of weeks. And old school, that's the quack doctor, right? It's, it's not real. He goes, but because you recommend it, yeah. I'm going to try it. Yeah. And you helped him. It was his finger, right? It was, it was something with his thumb and his hand. And he's a tinker, a tinkerer. And you can't tinker without your thumbs. Yeah. So that was amazing. What keeps you going? What keeps you positive? Because you've it's a Ooh. burden to try to I because mean, every time you get somebody in here and it's like revolving door. Yeah. Right? When I come, it's like person out, person in, person out, person in. How do you I mean, you're absorbing stuff from so many people and fixing and healing and how do you stay happy and and caring and energetic and all the good stuff? Yeah, I make pretty big choices for my life. Being on this farm was a big choice that I made and having these animals to connect to. In past lives, I've gone up and I've had very structured meditations and reading and and like you said, studying and, and practices. And then I just realized at some point, all of that just became who I am. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel such a strong need to like study it and practice it so much that it was like, this is me. And and it shifted a little bit now that I'm here to getting up and feeding the farm, as you very well know, it's a meditation. Kind of is, isn't it? It's grounding, you know. It, Check in. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. There's never a moment where the sun's setting that I don't just look at it and, and just and acknowledge the beauty of it. Staying connected with the land and the people and friends is wonderful. And I also went through an interesting, all of this stuff we can talk about in other conversations, but a lot of the people that really attempted to protect me and teaching me how to protect my own self, Mm -hmm. I did a lot of that work again initially. And I found what worked for me ultimately was to let 
all of those barriers down and you set it and just let that door be freely open back and forth. So that transfer is just fluid. I don't need to hold on to anybody's stuff. Oh, there you go. You I let don't it go. actually absorb it. In and it out. It comes through. And some of and the work that I do with people also, there are so many times where I tangibly, when I adjust into someone's system and, and they have a release, that release happens in and through me also. Oh, wow. And so I'm also receiving as I'm giving. And okay. as long as that cycle is really open and it has kept things really light. You know, it's, it's fun. The work is joyful and I'm really connected into like my sole purpose, which makes it just feel like ease and not work. The work part is sitting at the desk, like paying bills and yeah, you know, <laughs> stuff we don't want to do. Putting like paperwork, calling the trash people to come get the trash. Yeah. <laughs> That's work. Yeah. Um, my days with people in and out, that's just, it's joy. Just flies by, huh? Yeah, it does. I love it. Oh my gosh. April, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. So much. I'll put some information on the show notes about Miss April. And if you're in the area, can you recommend other chiropractors or other? If people have questions, I have a small system and I'll do my best. I can't always, but also I can certainly give you some guidance points. You can tell me what you're looking for, what area you're in, and I can help give you some ideas about, you know, if you're on somebody's website, if you have, if you want to call them, what you should ask them, questions, you, want, you know, right. based on what you're looking for out of a chiropractor. So that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for having Oh my me. gosh. Thank you for fixing my family. Well, they were already supporting perfect. them. Yeah. yeah. Support. We're just bringing out their, we're bringing out their perfect. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> and keeping us healthy because yeah. we've all, we're all much healthier Yeah, and we don't need to go to the doctor. Cool. It's a it. true story. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.